Hey, New Life Gillette Church, we are thrilled you decided to listen to our teaching on your favorite podcast app. If you made a decision to follow Christ today, would you let us know by visiting yes.newlifegillette.com. Here is this week's teaching. Let me say welcome to those of you who are watching online, uh, to the guys over at the prison, to our friends at the jail, and those of you who are here in the room. So Stephen, if you'll remember, was the guy who was delegated to. He became a, a manager of the food system where they would feed the widows and make sure that they had enough to eat. And so Stephen would do this, but on the side, and actually his primary objective was to preach the gospel. So he'd go out and he was an apologist for the faith. He was sharing the good news of God's love with the world. Well, the religious leaders didn't like this because people are paying attention. And he kept using the name Jesus. And they just, they couldn't stand that name. They kept saying, don't use the name Jesus. And he kept preaching in the name of Jesus. So, so eventually they decided they were going to stone him. Stoning was capital punishment back then. When they first started stoning people, they would do it with smaller stones and a bunch of people would throw stones and they started to streamline it and fewer people would grab bigger stones. And then that's how they would end up stoning people. And this is how they put people to death. And so Stephen becomes the first Christian martyr. Stephen becomes the first person to, to, to deny or to die because he would not deny his faith in Jesus Christ. And as they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Stephen is under attack, yet instead of blaming God, instead of turning his back on God, Stephen remains faithful to God. In times uh, where we are experiencing pain, usually the attacks on us come from outside of other people, but often it's us that cause our pain. But when we are under attack, we have a choice of either blaming God, resenting God because of our pain, or running to God. The Satan is attack, attacking, and, and you may be good at acting like you're fine, like a lot of us show up to church and for some reason, it's not biblical, but for some reason we think we have to act like everything's okay. When in reality, the church is this place where we're supposed to come and bring our burdens, bring our pain, bring our struggles to God. So rather than pretending and acting like everything is okay, we come and we say, we need help. God, you got to help me out here. I'm surrendering to you. I need your strength. Is how we come to God in these moments. I'm not pretending. And instead of turning his back on God, Stephen in this moment turns toward God, to God. Lord Jesus, he says, receive my spirit. And then he fell to his knees. And it's not just not turning his back on God, but he's not even turning his back on the people who are killing him. Like Christ, he said, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Can you imagine People are torturing you, killing you. And as they are killing you, you are praying for their salvation. As they are killing you, you are praying that they will be forgiven. And my pain, and when, especially when it's other people who cause my pain, my prayer is, God, strike them dead. Do something bad to them. Make their pain worse than mine. And in this moment, his incredible grace that he has given and strength in this moment, he prays for their forgiveness. So this passage draws two immediate questions to mind. One is, if you were demanded, hey, either deny your faith in Christ or die, which would you choose? 
We are blessed in this country and around the world now with unprecedented freedom. Never before has our world experienced freedom like we have today. Religious liberty unheard of. Yeah, we have liberty. But imagine if that religious liberty was removed from us and we were challenged, deny Christ or die. How would we respond? And then we are also asked the question in this passage, okay, when I am being attacked, how do I respond to my enemies? What is my attitude toward my opinion of the, those who are attacking me? So today we're going to focus in on this idea of when we are leaders and pain comes, how do we deal with it? Today we're going to talk about leadership storms. Because when you choose to be a leader, whether it's on a small stage or a big stage, whether it's a few people or a lot of people, whether it's just your family or an entire organization, when you choose to be a leader, you are signing up for pain. You are signing up for trouble because the leader has to deal with things that others don't, that others will deal with other things. It's just different problems, different pains as a leader. Why? Because we live in a world that loves to punch up. Punching down at people, like leaders picking on the small guy, that, that's the common thing to talk about. I think what is a bigger problem in our world is actually people punching up, judging up. No leader can be good enough. Nobody can be wise enough. I don't trust anyone. I don't trust any pastor. No boss can be fair enough. And we're just constantly critiquing because this, this is the society we live in. We judge, right? This is what we do. I buy something on Amazon, I judge. Four, five, two stars. I watch a movie, I rate it. I have a political leader over me. I, rather than submitting to their wisdom and trusting they know things I don't, I'm always wiser than they are. No matter what the leader is, I always know more. I'm not in their shoes. I don't have all the information yet. I believe I could do a better job. I judge. Punching up, this is what we do. And it makes leadership incredibly difficult. This is why I believe in the church, good followers make good leaders. Because there is a lot of scripture about how to follow, and it looks very little like the common way of following. Jesus tells us that we should submit to our leaders. That's not common. That's seen as weak, but as Christian. Submit to your leaders, even the bad leaders. Paul tells us to submit to our governing authority. Who are Paul's governing authority? We're talking about evil, horrible people. And he says, submit to them. In other words, we are commanded to give honor to people who do not deserve our honor. We are commanded to submit to people who do not deserve to be, to be submitted to. We choose to respect people even who do not deserve our respect. That is Christian followership. And it may sound weaker, that may sound like a weak way of living, but it requires way more strength. It requires way more strength to submit to somebody who does not deserve it than to submit to somebody who does. This is how we as Christians are commanded to follow. Peter, arguably one of the best leaders in all of scripture, the guy shows up and everybody just follows. When Peter talks, everybody listens. Peter preaches and thousands of people give their lives to Christ. Peter is a leader. And what does Peter tell us about leadership? He says, don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you 
to do. It may sound like Peter's saying, just lay down and die. Peter's like, no, this is wiser. This is better. Just trust me, it works. This is not just some spiritual exercise. It, it is an effective leadership tool. If you spend all your time trying to retaliate, trying to get even, then you're going to get nothing else done because there are way too many wrongs for you to get even on all of them. There are way too many pains for you to try to retaliate every time. So if that becomes your focus, Peter is saying it will consume you and you will be ineffective. You can't lead when you're focusing on how you have been wronged, when you're a victim and you're always telling everybody about everybody who's wronged you and all these pains. And because of this, then I deserve more because I have less. You become ineffective. And in addition to not getting things done because we're busy retaliating, we also end up scaring away those who might become our followers. Because there is something attractive by seeing somebody who is giving grace that is not earned. There is something attractive by watching somebody honor people who don't deserve to be honored. And those people gain influence. Those people who don't spend all their time retaliating gain influence. And leadership is influence. If you want to improve your leadership, stop focusing on how you've been wronged and start leading. A couple weeks ago, Eric Laxo shared this on Facebook. Someone just honked to get me out of my parking space faster. Now we have to sit here until one of us dies. <laughs> and this is how we live, right? You wrong me, I got to wrong you more. You hurt me, I got to hurt you more. This is just what we do. We retaliate. I got to cause you more pain than you cause me, and we get nothing else done. This is how we think. But we don't have time for that, guys. We have more important things to do. As Christians, we are called to stand in life's storms and take it. To stand there as you're getting stoned and pray for those who are stoning you. That's a whole other level of strength. You've probably heard this before because we live in Wyoming, but when you... Uh, when, when a buffalo is in a storm, did you know rather than running away from the storm, they charge the storm? Now, cows are a different story. When a storm hits, cows do one smart thing. They huddle up into a group so that they can use each other's body heat. And then when the storm hits, they start trying to run away from the storm, which is incredibly dumb. Because when you try to outrun the storm, what you actually end up doing is running with the storm and prolonging the amount of time that you're in the storm. By trying to escape the pain, they actually end up prolonging the pain and causing themselves more pain. The buffalo way is way better. The buffalo charges the storm, therefore shortening the amount of time that they spend in the storm. They get through it faster. They don't escape their problems. They charge into their problems. And when many of us, and when all of us face life storms, we get to choose how we respond to those storms. You can choose to dwell on your problems, gossip about the people who hurt you. You can choose to t go to all your friends and talk to them, woe is me, look at all my problems and all the pain. Try to get as much pity as you can, and dwelling on their problems does nothing but make them last longer. Positive people have learned that when life's problems come, if I can focus on the good that is in this situation, I can actually decrease the bad. 
Don't retaliate. Don't fight every battle that you see that you could possibly fight. Don't fight every battle you want to fight. Okay, today I'd like to spend some time giving you four things that I believe leaders should do when a storm hits. And we've already talked about the first one when we talked about the buffalo is to charge. Because let's be honest, our first reaction when we experience pain is to run from the pain. Okay, and there's some good things to that. Like the reason why God gave us pain, pain is so that when we touch the hot pan, we pull our hand off the top pan. So there is some good about removing ourselves from pain, painful situations. However, trying to suppress pain with external substances, with entertainment, with consumerism, alcohol, drugs, toys, social media. All of us have different vices, different things that we use to try to numb pain. Rather than facing our problems, we try to escape our problems and pretend like they're not there. And every time you use something to try to escape pain, it becomes something that is addicting to you. And so rather than escaping the pain, you're actually prolonging the pain that was there already. In addition, you're adding more pain on top of it because of the addiction that you've created trying to escape the pain. And every time it causes more pain. Christians, this is not the, what we've been called to. We've been called to charge the storm. We are not cows. We are buffaloes. Christians, charge the storm. The second thing that we can do in a storm is to adjust because we recognize that in a storm and in, in life's journeys, things change, problems happen. You know, the church is tempted to tell people, just get saved and then everything will be okay. Just pray a prayer of salvation and then boom, you're in the magical club. But that is not the whole story. That's the beginning of a story. But that's not the whole story. Giving your life to Jesus is a starting line, not a finish line. Getting your, giving your life to Jesus is a new life, not a burial. It's a good name for a church. We should try it. Beginning of a new journey. Christianity is a journey. I've never heard anybody say, guys, I prayed a prayer of salvation. Now, boom, six-pack abs. I don't know what happened. It just appeared overnight. I'm a Christian now, 850 credit score. I don't know why. I don't know. My, my hair got thicker. My thighs got thinner. My kid's cat died. Life's great. Goodness is coming my way. Hashtag blessings. I got saved. Everything's good. That's not the whole story. There are blessings that come as a result of giving our life to Christ, but there is also pain. What did Christianity mean for Stephen? It meant death. Now, it's a different kind of pain because we look at Stephen and we see there's something different about you. There's a strength in you that was able to, to sustain through the pain that it's not, I don't understand. I cannot comprehend. And it's because it was not his own strength. So Christianity might sometimes make life harder, but it will always make life better. We say Jesus makes our lives better and he makes us better at life. He makes us more productive. He makes our relationships more healthy. He makes our children more happy, our enemies less productive, less effective. 
Why? Because God created all this. He has a plan. If he called you to it, he'll help you through it. He is in control. So we give our lives to him and we say, it may cause me some pain, but I trust you that you will give me strength in it. I trust you that you'll give me peace and hope in it. I trust you that the end goal, the goodness at the other side is better than the pain in the midst. Because here on earth, we will have trouble. We will have trials and sorrows. But take heart because I have overcome the world. This is Jesus to the Christians. Here's the key here. I, not I, Mike, I, God, overcame the world. We did not do that. He did. So putting your faith in him makes some sense because there will be times on earth when we realize that, that the pain is we're more than ourselves through it. And there are other times in life when we realize that the pain that we're in is because of the path that we chose. Maybe it's not necessary pain. Maybe we are touching a hot stove. And so then what do we do? We adjust. We say, okay, I think I made some bad decisions. Often our pain is caused by us. I think I screwed up. I think I was lazy or I think I gave into temptation, whatever it is. And we adjust. Because here's the hard thing. The Satan's attacks can be evidence you're on God's path. So in, in other words, Satan's threatened and he's attacking. You're doing the right thing. The pain is not caused by you and it's not caused by God. It's caused by the Satan's attacks and God will be with you through it. But a lack of fruit is a sign that you're not. A lack of productivity and what God is doing through you, a lack of growth is a sign that maybe something needs to change. So let me say it again. The Satan's attacks can be a sign that you are on God's path, but a lack of fruit is a sign that you're not. So adjust. When you were young, did anybody else think that quicksand was going to play a much bigger role in your life? <laughs> I was very positive that I needed to pay very close attention to how to get out of quicksand. I mean, you got to pull the limb from a tree or like you need something to give you more surface area that you can put and you push it. Don't, don't wiggle. Then you'll sink faster. I'm, I, I was prepared. Yet I never used these skills in life. That's frustrating to me. Because here's what happens in life. We recognize God's give us certain giftings. We have some experience that makes us unique. We have some talents. And then we also have to do things in life. And it's a, it's a good thing in your life to say, okay, are the skills and the talents and the gifts that God has given me helping me to succeed, to be good at what I'm doing? Is there fruit in what I'm doing as a result of what God has gifted me with? If the answer to that question is no, there's, a, there's one of a couple things wrong. It's possible that you're on the wrong path. You're doing the wrong thing. The skills you were given were supposed to help you, so go do something that they actually lead to. It will actually benefit you to use those skills. Other times, it would be in this situation, you'll recognize, actually, I just need to develop some new skills. My quicksand skills aren't helping me here. I need some new ones. This isn't bearing fruit, so I'm going to do something else. I'm going to learn some new skills. I'm going to become more productive. And this is when it gets hard. Because then you start asking, okay, so what do I do? 
What's the right path? If, if I'm on the wrong path, what do I do? My advice that I give people when they ask this question is go back and do the last thing that you know God told you to do. Because there was some distance between the last thing you know he told you to do and here. You made some different decisions and you picked some different paths and, and God doesn't give you a step-by-step -step instruction about every step you should take in life. And so what do you do? You go back and do the last thing that you know God called you to do. And do that faithfully until he calls you to something else. That doesn't mean you never make any decision. Doesn't, make, doesn't mean you never choose to take, take different paths. It's just this is how we seek God's will. And then the third thing that I've learned is helpful in a storm. It's kind of a weird one. And it's more personal to me, but it's breathe. And that may sound like some new age hocus pocus. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like actually breathing. There's a strange amount of scripture about the connection between God's spirit and breath. Like it's all through scripture. You start wondering, why is that? Why does God always relate his spirit to breath? And I've heard pastors preach sermons about the value of breathing. And I've heard different people talk about the value of breathing, but I'm thinking, I don't have time to breathe. I mean, I have time to breathe. It's just kind of natural. You just breathe. But I don't have time to just sit there and breathe and do nothing else. When I first got this job, I told some of you this, that it was totally overwhelming to me. I was horrible at it. The, the weight of knowing that if anything screws up, it's all my fault. And I don't want to be blamed if things go wrong. And he wants this, but she wants this. And if I pick a side, then one of them are going to be mad at me. And I'm a people pleaser. So I want them both to be happy with me rather than focusing on pleasing God. I was focusing on pleasing people. And I felt like I couldn't get everything done. And so rather than relying on God's strength, I tried to do everything myself. And I just kept adding the burden to my shoulders. And it just got more and more heavy to the point where I just started shutting down. And I'd show up on Sunday mornings and I'd act like everything was okay. And then I'd go home and tell Darcy, I think I'm quitting. I don't think I can do this anymore. Eventually it got so bad that my body started shutting down. Like physically, I started to lose sight. I started to get these optical migraine headaches and all kinds of weird things started happening. So before I quit, I went and talked to some pastor friends of mine said, hey, could you give me some advice? And hearing them talk about similar struggles was helpful to me. But the, one of the things that they all kept talking about that helped them in this season was quiet time. And I read the Bible and I would pray on the way to things. And, and up until this time, I had habits, spiritual disciplines, but I didn't have quiet time. I mean, you try being quiet in the house of a six and a three-year-old. That's difficult. But I started to prioritize quiet time. And one of the practices that I did in this quiet time was breathing. And it, became, and it was helpful to me. And some of you are listening and you're like, oh, Mike's just weak. I can carry it. The load's not that heavy. I can just do it on my own. Others of you say, yes, it is heavy. However, I've come up with some other things, some other habits in my life, exercising or something else that helps me in those seasons. And that's great. I'm not saying for you, it's got to be breathing. Just saying, you got to find something. Some of you have a dog and you'd say, that's the answer to all your problems.
Hi, everybody. It's Paul. You know, a lot of people ask me uh, after a long day of voiceover or writing or doing all those creative things that I do, um, how do I relax? Well, like many other Americans, uh, I come home and I, I pet my dog. You see, petting your dog is one of the most relaxing things you can possibly do. It releases a hormone called oxytocin, which reduces stress. Also, it lowers your heart rate and it lowers your blood pressure. Plus, people who pet their dogs are five times more likely to live longer than people who just have cats. Plus, the dogs like it so much, and it's a nice bonding experience. That's right. Good daddy's little boy. Daddy's little boy. Daddy's little boy. That's right. Okay, we're done. We got any dog owners in the house? Can I ask a question? Why? I don't get it. We all have a, whether we will admit it or not, a need to figure out what it is, what is it that fills my cup when it's empty? Yeah, I can just breathe while I'm getting things done, but I don't naturally give my burdens to God. David says, give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. I naturally breathe. I don't naturally just give my burdens over. I carry them. I try to prove how strong I am. Thank you, God. Thank you that you are bigger than I am. This is how we fight our battles. When it looks like I'm surrounded, I'm surrounded by you. You're bigger than I am. You're bigger than my problems. You're bigger than this storm. Thank you, God. Be still and know that I am God. Next slide. Be still and know that I am God. The problem for me is that I'm an activator. My mantra is don't just sit there, do something. We got to get things done. We got to be productive. It's in this season that I started realizing there is a space for don't just do something, sit there. Take a break and trust, let go. This passage, be still and know that I'm God. I think a better translation of the passage is let go. Let go and know that I am God. And that's what breathing was for me. It was a way of letting go. God, I trust you. I put my faith in you. I believe that you can calm storms and I will believe that you will calm a storm in me. So the fourth advice that I'd give when leadership storms hit is pray. Because when you're hurt by people, the best thing to do is not to blame God, but to run to God. Run to your heavenly father who will never leave you or forsake you. So to conclude today, I'd just like to pray a prayer over you. It's a prayer in 1 Thessalonians. It's an open-eyed prayer, a prayer of intercession. It goes like this. Now may the God of peace, not the God of war, not the God of retaliation, not the God of anger, God of peace, make you holy in every way. Holy means set apart. 
dedicated to him, different than everybody else. May, let, may God will make you different. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen. For he who calls you is faithful. God is in control. The spirit in us is greater than the spirit that is in the world. So we run to him. If God called you to it, he will lead you through it. The storm did not surprise God. So you trust him. You recognize his strength. And you char charge the storm. You say, God, I know that you've called me. And I know that your, stronger is greater, your strength is greater than mine. So I trust you. God, I thank you that you're bigger than I am, that your strength will sustain. Give me hope and peace in the storms. Thank you.